Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. This is episode number 15. And I am still Rob O'Neill, where we talk from one operator to another operator. That is you and you and you. Uh, today, we're gonna, this is going to be different a little bit right now. When we deployed overseas to Afghanistan, to Iraq, we didn't go to work every single night. We as SEALs, I mean, and a lot of like SF guys and Rangers didn't go to work necessarily every night, depending on how uh, gung-ho their bosses were. Uh, some guys did go out every day and they were driving. These are the guys that dealt with the IEDs, the uh, the gunfights in the daytime that I personally think had a much tougher time than I did, per- than I did, uh, than we did, because they're just, you know, they're the show of force. They're the people that are, um, you know, building the schools, trying to win hearts and minds, whatever Washington delegated down through the powers that be to to do what they did. So uh, we well, we would do a standard day for us overseas is wake up when the sun is going down, get your coffee, go over to the Tactical Operations Center, find out what the men and women working Intel had found. And if they found nothing, which is often, um, we would either decide to go or not go. We were actually pretty good about what we did. We broke our uh, groups down by threes. We have a thing called the rule of threes. And that means that I use that now too. Uh, that that works well in running a business or, or a flow chart a person should be able to handle three major tasks at once. If you get to a fourth, you might have a tendency to lose something in the sauce. So that's when you want to be able to delegate it to someone that you can trust because you have taught them how to do their jobs. Teach your people how to do their jobs. Don't try to do their jobs for them. Some people get into what's called micromanagement, and micromanagement increases uh, um, nonsense redundancy uh, and it just wastes time. Teach your people how to do their jobs and let them do it. And when they screw up, if they screw up, which they should screw up because people screw up, I screw up, I, I've probably already screwed up a few times today, um, learn from it. Learn how also to cancel your people if you're in charge. And the way to cancel people when they screw up is not uh, getting in their face and screaming at them, which I do sometimes still. You know, If you're in a relationship, you've probably been in a fight. Uh, an argument, not a fight, but it get, get, can get heated. Um, but the best way to do it is to remain calm. Boy, and I'll tell you what, if you want to piss someone off, stay calm with them. I had a boss, if I've told this, I, I may have told this, but I had a boss when I was a chief. Uh, I wasn't a team leader yet, but I was, a, I, was a, I was a chief. He was a senior chief, my team leader. 
And uh, I screwed something up in training um, in the kill house somewhere. I did something. I knew I screwed up because that's what I want in the debriefs anyway. I never. I don't want to hear how awesome you are. I want to hear what you screwed up. But I knew I screwed up. It was something bad. There was a. There's a floor in the kill house at SEAL Team Six, and it was designed to do a tactic called Angleman Corner Boy. Angleman Corner Boy. Angleman Corner Boy is a brilliant tactic. The way that works. Not getting too much into it is uh, when there is an angle on, say, a T hallway or uh, there, you know, an angle, a turn in a hallway. One guy will go up to the corner and become the corner boy, and the, uh, one guy steps out to cover his field of fire, called the angle man. And the angle man's job is to kind of pie the thread as the corner boy is looking at him and it's up to the angle man either take it himself make the move uh take a shot or wave and uh, that's why it's very important that the uh, angle man or the corner boy's weapon is straight up in the air and that's effective communication without talking saying okay i'm watching you you have the call and then the angle man's job is if he waves then it's the corner boys go to, to pin it. If the angle man wants to take it, he just takes it, and he can move up, hopefully not shooting near the guy's face, but since he's looking at him, it, it can be a safe shot. The issue with safety is if the angle man doesn't have a clear wave or looks like he waves, say he does a wave, and then the corner boy loops around the corner, and then the angle man sees a shot, he, uh, he could potentially shoot his buddy, and it didn't happen when I was there. Thank God, I don't think it's ever happened because you really want to be careful when you're doing with that, but... Even in, in keeping it simple, I came up with don't uh, let's not just wave the guy through. Completely drop your gun, like because you have a sling on your gun. You have some sort of a carabine or something a way your gun's attached to your body. Just drop it, which means I'm not picking it back up. It's not my shot. It is the corner boy's time to turn and take it, and an angle man just sucks back into the train. Unless you're a train hog and you try to get in the front, don't do that. Follow your rules. Have your rules and follow them. But that was probably, oh, the point I guess I was making with that was that's uh, the third floor of SEAL Team 6. That, that wall is designed for that, for Angleman Corner Boy to train it. And I, I don't even know if we ever got it right once. But <laughs> It's a great tactic, especially on paper. Fucking money. You're not going to lose. But it's a, it's a good tactic. We did get it right, but the, you know, it gets screwed up a lot because people, that at something like that, people have a tendency to start making stuff way too complicated when you just got to master the basics. We were good at SEAL Team 6 because we were really, really good at mastering the basics. Master the basics, and the rest should follow. Rules of three, because you get to four, you might screw it up. You know, And, and people say, well, hey, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Well, congratulations, but this is important. Anyway, so my boss came up to me, and he was mad about something. Here's how to be a good boss. And I knew I screwed up. I probably screwed up Angleman, Corner Boy, something like that. And he came up to me, and I'm ready now. I'm pissed because I'm dehydrated. It's been a long day. And he came up to me, and I expected him to yell at me, and I was just going to get right back in his face because fuck this. And uh, he came up to me, and he said, man, you're better than that. And I expected more and left. And uh, my, my initial reaction was, I will never screw that up again. So, again, it goes back to people skills, be good to each other. Take a deep breath. Don't react. Do respond. But you can get into someone's head like that. It's a lot better than them just thinking they're right. If you, if you let them know they did something wrong, but you do it in that sort of a way, telling them I know you're good, but you just didn't do it the right way I wanted to. Yeah, I didn't screw that up again. So that was uh, my story about screwing up a little bit of tactics, a little bit how we 
did some of our stuff overseas. But what I was mentioning was we weren't working every night. And everywhere that we went, we were um, one thing. One thing that we're we're good at, but not good at, is uh, as seals we homestead. Like when we go overseas, we're going to build it up immediately. The CBs are going to get in there, and they're going to build the bee huts that we had, and then we are going to decorate the shit out of them, make it comfortable as hell. Obviously, the first thing you need is a couple big screen TVs. You need sofas because I'll be damned if I'm going to fight a war without stadium seating. Got to have your own coffee mess in your bee hut. You can you can get bee hut from the talk, but why why do I want to walk over there when I can make a delicious thing here? That's what. And I would tell people, um, like my mom and everything, that what we really would like is uh, coffee creamer, coffee creamer from Morale. There's a bunch of stuff there. Like deodorant's great, fine, but we have that there, and uh, other stuff. Coffee creamer uh, is good um, if you can figure out how to get some hooch in there that's good um we had a dude i may have told this story that sent us probably the greatest care package i'd ever seen was uh a bottle of vodka some powdered milk and um what's that stuff called that you put in a white russian you, you know what i'm talking about um kalua i think and and he sent us a couple bathrobes and a copy of the big lebowski so we could have Caucasian night when the weather was bad. And the weather was bad, too, especially on the uh, Afghan deployments during the wintertime. You don't need to go out every single night. And some guys disagree with me, but I was – rule of threes, we had uh, three team leaders in each troop. So three teams in each troop, three troops in each squadron. And we broke it down in threes because this made sense to us. I know we're the military, but we're also thinkers. We're not – Yes, men. It's not like when they say you don't need to know how to think. You just need how to obey. That's bullshit because sometimes the guy that's in charge of you is a fucking whatever. But um, we had three because if there was a mission, we could vote on it if we needed to. Like, I mean, come on. We're the military. If the boss says, hey, we're, we're, we're going tonight, we're just going. That's fine, and we will. But we also gave our input like, no, this is dumb. Um, I remember going into a house in Afghanistan right across the base that we were on. Like, I'm talking go up to the front I'm sure we had a show ID or whatever to get out. Put, leave your refre- reflective belts at the gate because you have to walk across this field and uh, try to find Al-Qaeda or Taliban at this point because this is about 2012. And um, um, we were going after someone that we weren't quite sure who he was. And here's a thing in the, um, in the brief. I like to brief stuff, and I like to know what I can about the target, but I don't want death by PowerPoint but they mentioned that in front of this house that looked like a castle, the the front yard might be mined, like with anti-personnel mines. And I remember thinking, that's kind of important. I want to know if there's mines there because I, I need to know if I need to plug my ears or not because that, that shit's loud. But uh, I just remember asking the question, you know, why um, – if, if it's possibly mine, why are we going? Why are we walking across this thing? Who's this guy? And I'm sure it was uh, Dula Hamadula Mabula or some shit. Nobody important. Um, and houses over there are just weird. Anyway, in Afghanistan, it's like uh, it. They look like mazes. Some some of them, and then and then there's a. Uh, there'll be uh, complete two story structures in a maze that doesn't have roofs. But then this was a two story structure, and uh, the. You know, you, there'll be no door on the bottom. I'm not making this up. And then you have to walk on an exterior stairwell to the second floor. And, the, and, and in order to get into the room, it's a it's a teeny tiny little door like a baby could go through. But I'm I'm a guy in my uh, 
in my gear. So I'm trying to squeeze the way in there. And obviously you're thinking, you know, what if they're hiding in here? I, I, I didn't have a pistol with me. I, I, don't, I didn't bring a pistol because I didn't think I need it. Now I do need it. So that's one of those things. But better to need it. You know. I don't know if it's better to have it, not need it, need it, not have it. But in this case, I should have. I cleared this damn thing. I go inside this damn room and I stand up and I'm terrified because I'm face to face with a full grown male camel. And he's on the second floor, and I'm like, he didn't fit through the damn baby door. Why did they build a room around a camel? And then I'm like, oh, because I'm, I'm in Afghanistan, and it fucking sucks over here. Uh, yeah, so that was one of the missions we went on. But I was just asking, like, if we know there's mines in the front door, we don't know who the hell we're going after. Why are we doing it? And there's some, someone that, you know, just got to shake it off. We, uh, we got to knock the dust off. We got to strike to develop, which is stupid because people have died on strike to develop, didn't develop anything except a funeral. But that wasn't every night. And uh, during these deployments, you know, get the coffee. Let's assume you don't get uh, a mission, which is fine. You still have a gym. You're going to go to the gym. Do whatever you do. You know, uh, entertain yourself, play poker, watch either family night movies in the stadium 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 seats with the uh the big screen and your buddies or you know throw one on your ipad that um you can watch in the comfort of your own room which is nice to have uh, or you know uh, like i said we do, do go to the gym do get some food that was always fun taking the truck to wherever walking down getting plums thrown at us and uh, seeing what they had on the um on the, the meal docket but we uh, we watched a lot of movies um Got big into uh, all kinds of stuff, you know, the Sopranos, uh, Entourage, things like that. But you you can watch a bunch of stuff that you didn't know that was out there. And if like you're looking for something to watch, and you can find it because well, the first one's not politically correct at all. Um, there's a there's a TV show called Soap, and I don't I think that was either early '80s or late '70s. But if you want to hear some shit that they would never get away with today. Soap was somewhere out there. It's hard to get people to watch it because it doesn't seem interesting until you start listening to what the hell's going on and realizing that uh, this is a different time. But uh, I was watching the other day. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Golden Girls, a classic. That's um, the actresses were Rue McClanahan, Betty White, Estelle Getty, B. Arthur. And it was about these golden girls that lived together, you know, with the, the mom, the, old, the older mom and the ladies were all in their 50s or whatever, and they all had different personalities. But I, uh, I was watching a blooper video of, you may have seen it, of um, out, not outtakes, but the, uh, uh, Betty White and Rue McClanahan. So uh, we're, on the, uh, we're on the couch in between takes so they're just bullshit it's a hot mic you know they're mic'd up or whatever there's a boom mic above them or something and they're just bsing about life and and uh they said something uh, talking about some dude and he knows a really funny joke and she goes oh yeah i saw him room mcclanahan was telling betty white a joke she said yeah i saw him um last night he told he told me a funny one and the joke she told was that a man got stranded shipwrecked on a desert island by himself with only the only things that survived off the ship was himself, a pig, and a dog. So they're laying there on this, nothing to do on this desert island. About a month goes by, and this dude is thinking, he's going to get a little antsy, you know. So he, uh, he's starting to feel it, and he, he, he goes over, and he starts romancing the pig a little bit, you know, give it a little foot massage and all this whatnot, and the, the dog growled at him, and the dog jumped at him, and he, he backed off the pig and realized it was out of line, and so 
Another month goes by, and he's really feeling it. And uh, he, he, he starts waits till the, till the dog's asleep, and he walks over to the pig, and he's rubbing the pig's legs, trying to get the pig in the mood. And all of a sudden, the dog wakes up and growls and runs over and bites him. So he backs off again. And then a uh, month goes by. They're laying there, and all of a sudden, this woman shows up, this beautiful blonde woman shows up on the island. And uh, she's walking over to him, and she looks great. She looks, I mean, as far as he's concerned, this is a supermodel right there. And the guy goes, thank God you're here. Can you hold down this damn dog? <laughs> and it was just, it was funny uh, hearing Blanche tell that joke. Pretty funny, but in between sets. But yeah, you know, we get to watch a lot of stuff overseas. And, um, and that, is, that is my joke of the day. Unless we tell another one. The midterms are over. And I mentioned before that a report recently came out that American household net income dropped by over $6 trillion just in the second quarter this year. That's the most on record. Were you prepared? What are you doing to prepare for the next report that comes out? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, and there is only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with Trustlink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We cannot control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. So that's protectwiththeoperator.com. Again, protectwiththeoperator.com or call 844-790-9191. And uh, the elections, lots going on there, and I know how much we love to talk politics. Um, we did get some Navy SEALs in Congress and back in Congress. Uh, my friend Derek Van Orden won up in Wisconsin, which is great. Eli Crane won. And um, Ryan Zinke from Montana won. He was actually a congressman before. And then he was the Secretary of the Interior. Uh, smart dude. Morgan Luttrell won in a landslide in Texas. So I'm hoping... Uh, and, and then uh, Dan Crenshaw's in there. Uh, uh, he's... He's seen the swamp at its worst. He's been around. Hopefully these guys can get together and, you know, uh, just get a couple things going because, like I have been saying before, uh, if we get veterans in there, they're going to be willing to work together. They love the country, and they want to go down the right track. And it was, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, way that it went because we saw, obviously, the mail-in ballots that they seemed to work pretty well a few days after the election, even though... It never has taken that time in modern history to count that much. I mean, um, when I, okay, this is a while back in 1984 when Ronald Reagan beat Walter Mondale. They like they had he had won over 500 electoral votes by 1150 or something like that Iowa time, um, but now they can't count on that fast because of different reasons. Um, but you know that's over. We we saw what happened in New York, which means it's. Pretty much the same now that um, the governor of New York uh, is elected and in power. They're gonna you're gonna see mass stuff come back and COVID stuff come back because they just love the COVID. Uh, 
they love the lockdowns. You're going to see, I, there's already videos of her dancing around with kids, wearing masks and celebrating, and it's just, uh, the crime's not going anywhere. If you're letting someone out of jail the day they commit a crime, um, what do you think he's going to do? I mean, the, the, a lot of these people are just going to commit the crime knowing they're not going to do anything, and this has a negative effect on the police, the mentality of the police, we've mentioned that before. Why would you want to be a cop in New York now? Why would you want to be subject to what people treat you like? The, I mean, the cops in New York are great, and they're going to get treated like shit now because the bad guys know um, nothing is going to happen. Uh, the crime's going to get worse. It's not hard to say this. And, I'm, you know, I'm, again, I don't I, – I, I, I use some strong language. I don't hate um, a lot of politicians, but I, I don't like the party – politics. I don't like the way that they run it. I don't like that they want to stay in power. I don't like the way they say, well, this is us against them, meaning Democrat versus Republican. I don't think so. I'm, I'm concerned about the person who is um, having a hard time feeding her kids in New York City because she can't afford the inflation that's real. And then you have, uh, and you know, she, she'll, she'll just try to fill up on water to give her kids food. And it's going to be a cold winter. And uh, diesel's going away. I mean, I, I'm, I really have faith in a lot of ingenuity. I hope America, uh, America comes up with a plan. But with the way it's looking and the Democrats bowing down to the, the uh, climate change zealots because that's a religion to them, people are going to have a hard time uh, affording heat and affording water. I, I care. I don't want someone to get pushed in front of a train, but that's becoming really, really popular because of uh, the DAs that for some reason decide they like the criminals more than they like the law-abiding citizens. I mean, Staten Island kind of woke up, and they're, they're seeing it firsthand, but a lot of people haven't. And the, did you see the video of the woman walking through Chicago bragging about, hey, I just voted for the first time as a resident in Chicago, and then you hear gunshots? It's like, oh, yeah, well, welcome to it. Because there are bad people out there that don't have your best intentions in mind, and they realize if they're not going to get in trouble for it, they're going to go out and get stuff for free. I mean, it's, I don't, I'm, I just, that's, we're just more of the same. We're voting for more of the same. And um, that's, uh, you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to watch now because not a lot's going to happen. And then uh, with, you know, the, the, so the midterms are over. We'll just see what they do. If it's going to be more of the same, if it's going to be the, the party politicians in charge, there, there's a balance of power thing, but it's, I don't want to see a lame duck because I'd love to see us um, advance. Uh, because when we have a strong America, we might be hated, but we have a safer world. And you can't deny that. But right now, look at the moves China's making. China owns 191,000 uh, 191, acres, I think, in our country. They have their, their Chinese police stations in New York. And they say they call them service stations so that they can make sure that they're... Um, the people of China are behaving themselves in a foreign country like that, which I, I pretty much don't buy. But I mean, China's China's making a move everywhere. China's already saying that uh, Taiwan is theirs. China's already buying land in uh, in 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 Africa and in South America because China knows that with us saying we're on the move to become energy independent, not energy. Sorry, God forbid, we became energy independent again. Um, we're going to be a hundred percent battery powered cars. China's not stupid. They know where we're going to need to know go to get our really expensive, volatile, flammable batteries for our electric cars when we eventually need them. So that's just basically how we're going to become more dependent on China. And it's, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be hard times for a while. You might not like it, 
Um, but a lot of people are going to suffer. And it's just a shame to me because I, I would, if I could believe me, wave a magic wand, if I, if I could go down to Congress and get people in the same room and maybe agree that we, we like life, uh, we like living better, we like our standard of living better, we like to be able to get food that we need when we want it in an affordable way, we don't run out of toilet paper, we, we actually have someone smart enough to tell children that the cow farts are not destroying the planet, that it's okay to have meat. How many different type, types of milk are there now? What's wrong with milk? God gave us a cow and a goat. Can't we milk them? I don't know. We could milk an almond, but I mean, and and hey, shout out to almond milk. That's just delicious. But um, that's where we're heading. And, and seeing these politics go that way, and and I have a theory too. And and again, I um, if you read my Twitter and you see stuff that I say, sometimes I'm just taking a jab, and we call I think we call that fishing, isn't it? Trolling. I'm trolling. Sorry, trolling is a way to fish. And I'll say some shit out there, but. I predicted this before that the uh, obviously the ground game for the Democrats is way better because they own the media and they own Hollywood and a lot of money gets pumped from Hollywood into Georgia. You notice that because Georgia, a blue state. Okay, Um, but a lot of it gets pumped in there. And um, uh, the way they got them, if, if you look at the economy, if you look at the recession that we don't say we have. If you look at inflation, which we don't say we have, um, it's and it's not even so much that stuff is getting more expensive. The dollar's getting worth less, and we're getting lulled into a, a position of complacency that well, the dollar's always the dollar. And I do love the saying that if you owe the bank fifty thousand dollars, you have a problem. If you owe the bank fifty million dollars, they have a problem. But we're going to figure out real soon what that problem looks like, and. Uh, Oh, did you like how they were going to pay student debt until the midterms are over? No, they're not. That's called buying votes. They didn't have much to run on, they, the Democrats. But boy, they sure latched onto abortion, like I said they would, didn't they? It's not just abortion. You know, it's, it's women's health care. These men are trying to get rid of women's health care. They want an abortion because they could get the students out to vote. And guess what? In two years, there's going to be more 18-year-olds voting because of the stuff they're teaching. And, and... um if if that's the hill that Republicans want to die on, you're going to die. You're going to get women out there. You're going to get women of all ages because they've been told not that the Supreme Court just turned it over to the states because that's what the Constitution says. They're getting people who are being told that Republicans don't want women to have access to hospitals. And if I was frail enough, I would buy that shit. And so they got out in numbers and they voted. They, they're saying they canceled out a certain demographic, which I don't think is true. I think everyone should get out and vote because, eh, that's debatable. But you sh- once, once you prove you're eligible to vote, you should be able to vote. Look at the way the Florida did it. They uh, Not a lot of mail-in imbalance there. People showed up, showed IDs, and they got a, a legit contest that day. But that's just voting. That's just showing ID. You have to show ID to go everywhere but not voting which is just bizarre to me. So you're going to see more of the same. The, the big cities always vote blue. New York always votes blue. You're not going to see a lot of changes. You will hear about shootings uh, everywhere, everywhere that, that does stuff like that, like New Orleans, Atlanta, St. Louis, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. I was, I was just in San Francisco a few days ago. I flew my favorite flight from JFK to SFO uh, on American, and it was awesome. A couple movies. I think I watched Rocky twice. And my go-to movie on that is, uh, is Miracle 
Love that movie, Miracle. If you haven't seen it, it's a great, it's a great, uh, great story about the 1980 hockey team that was playing the Russians. That was the greatest team in the history of hockey, and they shouldn't have beat them, but they did. I know you know the story, Lake Placid. An excellent movie. Um, highly recommend it. I went from uh, pushing people in front of trains to talking about movies. Uh, I got a couple friends I want to talk about. Uh, another couple questions I was asked about um, was what kind of workouts we did at SEAL Team 6, which is cool. Um, so, we, you know, we covered the election just now. We covered um, the Golden Girls. I thought a great joke. Um, if, you, if you know any good jokes, good one-liners, I saw one on Instagram the other day that some dude was trying to make another dude laugh, and he said, uh, you know, I was kidnapped by mimes once. They did unspeakable things to me. <laughs> In order to be prepared, you definitely need a good night's sleep. So you need to go check out Ghostbed. They have very comfortable mattresses that last forever, and they're made in the USA. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty. Some even have a 25-year warranty, and you can try it out for 101 nights. And if you don't like it, no hard feelings, send it back. One of my favorite things about Ghostbed is each, mat each mattress has a cooling technology, so if it gets hot in the middle of the night, like it usually does, they're a lifesaver. Ghostbed also offers bundles so you can get everything you need. You don't even have to really think about it. Just choose from their four mattresses, then pick a bundle. So whether you need just a mattress or a frame or you want it all, like their cooling pillows and sheets, you can get the best bang for your buck. So go over to ghostbed.com slash drinking bros, and you can get 40% discount. Check out their other discounts as well. Ghostbed.com slash drinking bros. But I've said it before, it is important to try to keep your sense of humor. Don't lose your sense of humor. Don't be afraid to enjoy yourself. Don't be afraid to know a, a joke you can crack at any time. Uh, preferably a clean one, too, if you're a kid. Um, but but, but that's, that's, that's part of uh, keeping morale high, keeping a successful team. We were pretty good at that, too. There was, there was always funny stuff that happened. I get asked a lot how, how accurate the movies are if I was there. Um, there are good movies made, and I've said before that Zero Dark Thirty was a good movie uh, about the woman that found Bin Laden. Good movie. If it's on, I'll watch it. Um, it's not, you know, tactically accurate per se, but I think somebody that knew a guy who knew a guy who was on the mission helped with it or something like that. They did a few things wrong. Whatever. Entertaining movie. Maya was awesome. They said, uh, uh, I, oh, Lone Survivor was incredible. A great, great movie. The only problem I had with Lone Survivor was... They couldn't find mountains big enough to portray what those guys went through uh, on the mountain. I think, they f I think they filmed it in New Mexico, which has got great mountains and some surprisingly large elk. I still need to get out and hunt there for elk. Um, Captain Phillips, I just watched that the other day because, you know, you fly from New York to San Francisco. You got a lot of flying time. I did watch that. And uh, the people asked that one, hey, what's the, uh, what's the deal with Captain Phillips, how accurate was that? And I'm like, well, it depends on who's asking. Like, if you're asking me right now, I'll tell you, hmm, Tom Hanks did a great job portraying Captain Phillips. Uh, there was not necessarily a 3-2-1 execute, but uh, the snipers were incredible. Now, if we're at happy hour and I get a little crew asking me uh, how accurate was the movie, I'm like, dude, 100% accurate. I took all three shots, <laughs> which is not true. I was drinking coffee when the sniper shot. That is the truth. I was actually reading some crap... Um, so the uh, I donated to Wikipedia recently because even though they put they like they put stuff in there that doesn't need to be in there, and it's one of those things where you can just edit it, and it's actually pretty funny if you if you catch an edit that someone put in there before. 
they take it down, like the fact checkers or, or whoever the powers that be that take care of misinformation. There's some funny shit. I was I was looking up. I talked about Baghdad Bob, the, the dude that was lying the entire time the Americans were invading. And it said I was going through his stuff and where he was born and he went to the University of Baghdad. And then he said he went to University of Arizona. And I'm like, hold on. I don't think Baghdad Bob went to the University of Arizona. But it was in there. It was pretty funny. And they say some, like, there's some rude shit in there about me. So I figured, like, if I make a donation, maybe they'll stop um, putting just unnecessary mean shit. To, I don't know if it's a space filler. There's, like, a dude. I know where he is, by the way, who I think he has my name on, uh, on an alert on his phone. So whenever I change something or have something changed, he goes back in and changes it. I know where you are. Um, and it's kind of funny at first. You're, you, you haven't really annoyed me yet, but I know where you are. And then there was a dude that took a picture of me, if you can believe it. And in, in all my escapades, I've been kicked off an airline before. And uh, <laughs> they got, a dude took a picture of me um, on the plane. I, okay, I'll give you a little backdrop. We were celebrating a, a, someone's birthday party at Kid Rock's house in Nashville. And uh, I had to fly the next morning um, to Dallas. So I got on a plane, and I left my sunglasses at Kid Rock's house, at Bob Ritchie's house. And um, <clears throat> I just put my hat down, and I fell asleep. And the, uh, the flight attendant came up to me and said, now, you're, in, you're sitting in an emergency room. Can you take care of this right now? And I said, you know what? I don't think I should. And he goes, let's get, let's get a, a later flight. Fine. So we did. We got off later flight, and I, I flew the same airline later that day. Um, but a guy took a picture and posted it, and it kind of went viral a little bit. And this jackass tagged me. So I'm still not mad at him yet, but again, I know where he's at. <laughs> so, uh, but never lose your sense of humor with stuff like that. I, I, you know, He probably got his 15 bucks from TMZ or whatever good on him. I hope he bought a beer with him and got kicked off a flight himself. But uh, these, are, these are types of things that happens. I mentioned the movies. Not everybody... Not every movie is like reality. And, and, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure veterans that are listening right now will agree with me. Infantry, Marines, and soldiers, and airmen, and, and uh, sailors on ships. I'm sure you'll agree with me. But even you as an operator, whatever you're doing, not everything is the way they make it look in the movie. Um, and you're saying, well, they don't make movies about me. Yeah, they do. Garbage men, men at work, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. Boom. Um, but the, you know, they, 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 not everything's the same, and something is always goofy. Like we, I, I don't know if I mentioned the guy falling in a cesspool once, and all he said was Navy SEALs, because <laughs> what are you going to do? You're in human poo. But we had a buddy when I was at SEAL Team 2, and I think the world of this guy, his, na his, his name is Terrence, and uh, Terrence was known for just being a touch clumsy. Big dude, power lifter. He kind of looked like me. He once told me he was better looking than me. He's not. But, uh, you know, solid dude, ginger, obviously. Um, strong guy, great guy. Uh, and and uh, he, he was a little clumsy and he would fall down. Now, I remember talking about having your weight in ounces because ounces equal pounds. So we had this thing called ranger beads. And what a ranger bead is, is you take your beads and you, um, you, can't, you know your pace count. So my pace count was something like 61 paces was 100 yards. So every 100 yards, you put one bead down. And then 200, you put two beads down, blah, blah, blah. You get up to nine or 10, and then you put one of the big beads down. That means you've gone uh, 1,000 meters or a click. 
So then you put them, start going back up. And then you know you've, you've gone two clicks. You kind of measure your pace count right there because once we go to war with China and they shut down your iPhones and your GPS systems and your communications, I hope you can use a map and compass and you might want to bring Ranger beads. But uh, I stopped bringing Ranger beads one day and someone said, hey, man, where's your Ranger beads? And I, stopped, I said, I stopped carrying them because ounces equal pounds. He goes, how do you keep your, your pace count? I said, well, every time Terrence falls in a ditch, it's been 100 yards, which is, I thought was funny at the time. But, uh, that, you know, that another, another great story about people I worked with. Uh, I got asked about the, the fitness regimen. I described the workouts that we did at SEAL Team 2, and it was every, every single day because uh, it was something – each team alternated, Team 8. When I was there, uh, Team 10 wasn't there yet, so it was Team 8, Team 2, Team 4, and kind of rotate. Like we did, like I mentioned before, we had the Circle Jerk PT followed by a base tour on Monday. Ocean Swim on Tuesday. I don't care who you are. Team 4 doesn't do it all the time. SEAL Team 2 does. SEAL Team 8, sometimes. Um, Wednesday was the O-Course, three times, big loop, O-Course, gut truck. Thursday was underwater hockey, pool work. We actually started to get a guy that gave us lessons how to swim. And that was cool because a lot of us needed it. Where were you before Bud's dipshit? And then Friday was the state park run followed by a swim if it's nice and then beer on the way home. But uh, we did that because a lot of uh, uh, team guys are young out of Bud's. They're in great shape. But uh, they also are single and they're going out every night. So this is to ensure that they show up to work and work out. You got to be there at a certain time. So go to your platoon hut, get a muster, have the word put out by your leading petty officer who's an E6 in charge. And the, the platoon is about 16 guys, an officer in charge, 03, an assistant officer in charge, which is an 01 or an 02. And then you've got your chief petty officer who's a chief or a senior chief. Then you've got your LPO who's your leading petty officer, and he's kind of uh, in charge of everyone. If you fuck up, the chief's going to hammer him. He's going to hammer you. Then you've got your E5 mafia which are um, the guys who have usually done a platoon or two or three. Or like in my case, I was, e I was like a bull E5 for a while. And then Drago took it because I think Drago had a weird way of getting promoted. He would like go up to E5 and E6 and somehow get back down to E5 and E4 <laughs> because he's awesome. That's why. Uh, so, yeah, but then you have like maybe a couple, you know, your sled dogs, and then you have, um, you have your, uh, your young guys, your new guys, your meats at the team, your meats. And, and that's when they, at the end of the day, Attention in the SEAL Team 2 area. Now muster all E5 and below for field day and cleanup in the E5s and below. Go down and take out the trash and sweep the floor. And it's kind of fun. Another way to play grab ass and find out what time we're meeting at Hoopla's and who's buying the first round. So uh, that's the way it worked there. And we would work out every day like that. And then obviously you finish your workout. You get the gut truck after you shower. Get in your uniform and do whatever training you're doing. So if, if you, if you, I mean, even you might even be driving down to Shaw's to, to uh, not Shaw's, sorry, we did drive to Shaw's, that's, but that's in Mississippi. Drive down to Blackwater sometimes when they first started up to do close quarters battle. You could do shit in the, we had like pistol ranges there, there's a range there, try to do a little stuff. Um, pay attention to your admin work, keep your shit in order, your papers. And then, you know, lunch, we always go to lunch. We used to go to a place called La Fiesta for lunch, and they, um, they had the best damn sweet tea I've ever had, and they were the fastest people in the world. And uh, I had a buddy who um, who was kind of pulled a buddy fucker move. He would always they had uh, salsa, and then they had white sauce, and like you get per four guys, you get two total: one red sauce, one white sauce. This guy, Steve, 
would keep the white sauce hoarded and then dump it all over his enchiladas or whatever. It's like, dude, that's for the table. But that's what we would do. Go back and then do what have you. I, I remember I remember seeing dudes in uniform there having a few beers at lunch. I'm like, must be nice to be a chief because I'm a PR3 at that time. But uh, when we got to SEAL Team 6, fast forward, um, we, I guess, were a touch more professional. Um, I always th- considered Navy SEALs professional 12-year-olds, like, you know, with guns. Um, but uh, we were trusted that I think the, the muster in the morning would be at 10 a.m., so they would just assume you were going to come in early and work out, which we did, which we all did. And that was a little bit more unique because we had – well, even when I was there, we had a really nice gym. They've been slowly adding to the gym just based on uh, uh, actually taking the command climate, if you will, finding out what guys want. Guys want to do workouts with uh, – you know, they, a lot of guys like to do the CrossFit type stuff, uh, high-intensity workouts, really good fight gym. They brought in professional fighters in there. Dudes that you don't want to mess with, uh, but taught guys how to fight a lot of like um, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu stuff like that. Uh, naturally, they got all clicky with their stuff. And if you don't hire this guy, I don't want uh, to hire your guy. Blah blah blah, and that stuff. Um, but uh, you know, you go in there. We had uh, when we first started fighting in Afghanistan, they put in treadmills with um, these oxygen masks so you could breathe thinner air to sort of get used to it, acclimate yourself before you get there. I'm not sure it worked. I know it sucked. And they had like chambers where you could go up to altitude and guys would go in there and, and read. Just be in that low altitude to try to get your, your body straight because this is right after Anaconda, uh, uh, Roberts Ridge. And guys are, you know, we, we are now fighting an enemy that we're kicking the shit out of. And there's no way Afghanistan's going to ever end badly. So let's get used to being in the mountains. So um, it, it was pretty much up to anything. And we also had, um, we had trainers in there so you can go in and get a stretch. I think they brought yoga people in eventually. Uh, I always was, was a big fan of getting some cardio on and then, um, you know, then getting a lift, a, a good lift, standard football team stuff. Uh, uh, and then I would be told by people that you should uh, lift first and then run because that burns more fat. And I don't know if you've noticed any pictures of me. I'm, g- I'm going to look the same. I had abs twice. I had abs after Hell Week and I had abs after the island. And then I never saw my abs again. They vanished into the night. Well, friends, with the midterms over and nothing really changing, the food shortages are no joke. The nationwide diesel fuel shortage could prevent truckers from delivering food to your local grocery stores. What are you going to do then? Stand in government food lines with everybody else? Don't be a victim. Fight back by stocking up on emergency food today while you still can. Go to preparewithrob.com and you'll get a $250 discount on the high-calorie three-month energy food kit from My Patriot Supply. These fully loaded kits give you three months worth of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. That's right, three solid months per person. My Patriot Supply is knocking $250 off the regular price so they can help more families be prepared for what's coming. This is their lowest price since 2019, but it won't last long. At this price, you want to get as many kits as your family needs. Your orders ship fast and free in unmarked boxes for your privacy. But don't wait. Act now. Go to preparewithrob.com. Preparewithrob.com. So shifting gears a little bit here, uh, I do like to read quite a bit. On airplanes, I read quite a bit. I, I'm usually reading a book and listening to a different book at the same time because I, I like to get informed. I love to hear other people's opinions. And uh, also, if I hear someone else read out loud, I might be able to slow down my speech patterns because I have a tendency to talk fast once in a while, if you've noticed. Um, I read a stat that was kind of disturbing because we talk about morale and people skills. The, somebody surveyed um, 2,000 football fans, American football fans, uh, and they said that over half of them have lost 
a friendship based on a rivalry. Like somebody else likes a different team and you lose a friendship over it. You know, there was other questions too, like where do you like to watch it most? Do you like to go to the game? Um, do you like to watch it at home? Uh, somebody else's house hosts parties. Go to parties, go to sports bars, and those are some interesting stats too. Personally, I like to go to the game. I think it's a lot of fun there to walk around and see people. But uh, yeah, half of people are losing friendships, relationships over a game like that. I don't have that problem because um, they, my team was just gone. It was it was painful. I don't have a team, but I like to play uh, fantasy football. So there's that. Then uh, nothing to do with football. Well, no, you know what? Sort of. How about this? Something to do with with football, but not American football. This is the beautiful game. Of football, the World Cup's coming up. That's going to be exciting, and uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's a FIFA simulator, a FIFA simulator. I hope I'm saying that right or wrong. A FIFA simulator that has predicted the last three World Cup champions, which is really good. And they're saying this year to bet it all on Argentina. They said Argentina, the simulator had them beating Brazil. One nil. They also have the U.S. men's team going to the quarterfinals, which would be, which would be huge. That's that's a big one. Uh, I personally, I love the World Cup. I watch the World Cup every four years, obviously when it's on. I think it's a blast. I love uh, I love the game. I think it's great. Uh, uh, I really want to get over to Europe and get to some Premier League games or, or even other leagues because um, I am watching uh, We Are Wrexham, and so I, I'm learning more about the league system, and that's just fascinating. I think it's cool. I love the idea of the game and all that. Um, but um, I'm excited because this World Cup is in Qatar. And I don't know if you know anything about Qatar, but Qatar's a very religious, uh, religious, a very religious Muslim state, and they don't mess around right there. They, uh, they've got some archaic laws that they maybe should jump into 2022, but like public drunkenness, you're... You're done uh, flirting. God forbid any kind of intimate um, touching with someone to whom you're not married. Homosexuality is illegal. Uh, yeah, so I, it's, it's going to be curious to see if uh, how the World Cup goes playing in Qatar because that's just um, that's you know I, I don't know if you've ever seen soccer hooligans, but they're pretty. Pretty real. They're pretty legit, and, and they, uh, they have loyalty. Uh, but they also, in Qatar, have flogging and prison time. So we'll see if the cops will look past that just to have them there. But, yeah, uh, you heard it here. Men's, U.S. men's team, quarterfinals. Argentina beats Brazil 1-0 in the final. That's the word on the street. And then uh, um, overseas also, there was a, a climate conference in Egypt recently. And that's cool. And the people who went... Because that's total lead by example. They've, it's uh, 400 private jets flew there to talk about us and how bad we are and we're destroying the planet. 400, 400 jets. They all flew. Because, I mean, can you imagine being someone like that that just, uh, well, you shouldn't fly a private jet because one, you can't afford it, and two, I'm more important than you are. But they go over there with China. China's there because, you know, they're, uh, I think they uh, pollute the world more than every third world country combined, but let China have a seat at the table because why would they lie to us? Um, and we're going to renewables, like I said earlier, that China's buying up the land, so we just have to go to them. I mean, we, we already had our president say that he's going to shut down coal, even though coal is responsible for about 22% of our electricity. Um, so that's, that, you know, that's just one of those never base 
an argument based on emotion, never make an argument based on emotion. That's completely emotional. And telling the people that work in the coal mines in Pennsylvania, who, by the way, that was a dramatic pause, elected John Fetterman to the Senate. <laughs> I am not making fun of John Fetterman, but if anybody needs to be recuperating and resting, it's John Fetterman, yet I'm sure all the coal miners voted for John Fetterman to get in the Senate just um, so he can vote the way Biden tells him to. But that, yeah, 22% of our electricity comes from coals, but don't worry, because all you coal miners, you just get new jobs. That's pretty much how easy that is. Again, I'm telling you, that's what happens when you get a motion like this and you get all the students all riled up because that's just, uh, that's what the government needs. They get your emotions riled up and then they're going to have you fired up to the polls with all this emotional stuff telling you how the, the world's going to end and we're going to do it because the ice is melting and the cows are farting and the ozone's gone and all this all this good stuff. And then uh, um, I was reading another story since we're talking about climate that... Um, Scientists are saying they have a theory now why we might be alone in the universe. And I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but that's just fascinating when we get into aliens. Because I've been to places in the United States where, I mean, I've I've sort of mentioned this before, but again, one of the things I really can't talk about. I think I've been to the place where Velcro was invented, and I don't think we did that. That's way too smart. Hook and pile tape, as we call it in the military, because God forbid we make anything easy in the military. But they're saying that... uh, they're saying that, that maybe there were civilizations before on different planets, but they couldn't get far enough to populate other planets. And uh, they said it was like, here's, here's the way you're going to see a lot of this, uh, the politics woven into some arguments. They say, but uh, civilization killers, this team found, were usually, they're talking about how aliens killed themselves. Uh, nuclear war, pandemic, climate change, runaway artificial intelligence. All right. I mean, but that I mean that's scary, right? Okay, the nuclear war thing I've talked about, fuck that. And that's that's what's gonna get us eventually. If we keep these crazy people in power, they can hit a button but don't really care what happens to everybody else because they have their anti radiation medicine and uh their bunker they can go in. The pandemic, yeah. We've all been there. Who knows? Uh that's the only pandemic I mentioned before that is the only one in the history of mankind where I said I I, I needed that pandemic because I really gotta work on myself. Climate change, you're going to hear climate change all the time. The one that caught my eye that I actually did a little research on was runaway artificial intelligence. Have you seen the progress robots have been making since like 2012 when they could barely stand up? Now those fuckers are doing yoga and doing like jumpy twisties or whatever you call them. They're like doing, they're doing movements of, of cheerleaders. You know they're going to arm these things. We're arming them. What don't we arm? The, 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 the nicest thing in the world, the most polite position of freedom and harmony is probably a kite. And we made a kite that doesn't need a string, and it's called a drone. And that drone, drone drops bombs on people, because why wouldn't you bomb people? Here's a nice invention. Let's bomb it. Here's a, oh, there's the Terminator. Let's give him an M60. So that's one of the things they said. that They think that the aliens maybe did that, but then they killed themselves just like we're going to do. So that is... Um, Again, thinking about crap like that, you you don't need to take everything so serious. I mean, that's if you're going to be worried about something, let's worry about the killer robots. Um, not everything we worry about happens in the first place, and it's that's why you gotta you gotta enjoy yourself once in a while. You know, get out there and, and do some stuff like that. Uh, life's short. Life is very very short. There was a um, 
they found a piece of the Challenger at, uh, at right at the coast of, of Cape Canaveral. And, uh, uh, the Challenger was a space shuttle that blew up, I want to say, January 28th, 1986, uh, killing everyone on board. And that was just a routine. That's when stuff became routine. It's just routine to go to space. Uh, and they found a piece of it. This is years, decades later. They found a piece of the Challenger. And that's proof right there. You got a, a woman by the name of Krista McAuliffe who was going to be in the teacher of space program. And she went up on that. I remember she was a... We, we even had a, uh, uh, one of her quotes, I think, uh, on the wall of one of my classrooms that said, I touch the future, I teach. And that was obviously a shame. Everyone on board died at 46,000 feet, I guess. It uh, um, disintegrated. The Challenger was piece of the, big, the largest piece of it ever found. Um, the, there was a, an air show recently in Dallas and two vintage era planes at an air show collided killing I think six people and they were just there at an air show they're flying their, their planes they're doing what they do they fly in close maneuvers they hit they crash a big ball of fire and uh, life can change in an instant don't forget that don't, don't be afraid to enjoy yourself and stop carrying around that big bag of stress everywhere you don't need it it's not, it's not helping you. Enjoy what life we have left. Try to have fun until the robots come for you. Getting back into a little bit of combat and a little bit of war and a little bit of the personalities that we've managed to get through our history in the military and in naval special warfare, special operations, things like that. Um, I need to bring up my friend Ben Milligan who has written a book that you should check out. It's called By Water Beneath the Walls and it's a history of the SEAL teams, how they, how they rose up. I'll, I'll explain it a little bit uh, and a little bit what I know about him um, because he, he's, a, he's always been a history guy, always been a um, smart dude. Um, he's a ginger as well, handsome. We all know that by now. And uh, he and I had a chance to um, experience a little bit of history together. So he was... He was, the fir- he was in the first group of guys that I ever saw check in wearing tridents. So when I went through budget, it was 26 weeks, and then you get to a SEAL team, and then you go through SEAL tactical training, and then you have a six-month probationary period, and then you have an oral board, and then you might get your trident. This is a, f- I think it's a 53-week course, buds through training, through um, everything from winter to, uh, I think, jungle. It's really, really very good discipline, good training. Probably, probably better than what I went through, but mine was definitely harder, if not. But, but uh, I got to know him pretty well. Funny guy. He, he does the best. He can imitate anybody. Like, if you talk to him, he can sound just like you, almost, almost make his face the same way. He does the best Harry Carey impersonation I've ever heard. But he and I got to go uh, to Normandy, during one of our platoons, we uh, went up to northern France and we got to check out Dog Green Sector of Omaha Beach. I have pictures of us up there too. I'll, I'll be posting pictures of Milligan and me, you know, doing uh, uh, standing on the beach at, at at Omaha Beach, which is insane. That's where I mean, we all know what happened there. That's that's a that's a spot in World War II where the Allies are trying to land because the the Germans had uh, double crossed us and. Uh, Neville Chamberlain, the peace in our time type thing. And they, they actually had this um, to try to defend Europe uh, because re- relying on this is the way we've always done it. The French had a thing called the Maginot Line 
that was a, a line, a wall, impervious to most forms of attacks because they were used to World War One, and they thought there would be all kinds of ditches and stuff like that, and we'll fight in the ditches. But the Germans came through the lowlands with uh, the Blitzkrieg, something they'd never seen, fast as hell. France surrendered quickly, if you can imagine. Um, what, what do they say, that, that joke? Do you want to buy a French assault rifle, never been fired and only dropped once? Um, but they, anyway, there's a lot more. We'll, we can do episodes on World War II, but it, uh, the invasion of Europe sort of came down. Well, not sort of. They tried in Italy, but then it came down to Omaha Beach. The beach is at Normandy, uh, Utah, Omaha, Gord, uh, Juno, and Sword. And we got the two. We, the United States, got the two hard ones. Utah and Omaha really got banged up. Um, there was pre-assault fire before the guys went in. And there was actually before the, the jumps. Because uh, they're going to jump in. That's important, too. They, they, the uh, Airborne jumped into Normandy to get behind enemy lines, and then we used naval gunfire that was totally ineffective. And they actually had a, a D-Day general named Omar Bradley, and he promised the Germans on the beach would be blasted by the naval gunfire. Obviously, he's not going in. But he actually said this. Let's not arrogant this is. You men should consider yourself lucky. You're going to have ringside seats for the greatest show on earth. The greatest show on earth. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great show on earth when the bombs are coming this way. And then the Rear Admiral John L. Hall was really pissed about that, and he said, uh, uh, strongly disapprove of what he considered to be a small amount of air and naval bombardment, saying, it's a crime to send me on the biggest amphibious attack in history with such inadequate gunfire. So um, this is going on, and there were a few countries that stayed neutral uh, in the, you know, in World War II, one of the countries that stayed neutral was Afghanistan. <laughs> God bless them. They're just trying to live, and they, they stayed neutral in Afghanistan, but that, you know, they, uh, so they've got a bright future in front of them. But there's a place where, uh, where the Allies jumped in called St. Mariglis. And that is where uh, they, just, they jumped in before the Battle of Normandy, uh, and they jumped in with, um, it's a location in the line of defense along the road to Omaha Beach. And again, that's where I said uh, when the fighting was done, five to 6,000 Allied forces were killed on Omaha Beach. Uh, killed, wounded, or missing. And in that war, when you're missing, you just went away. Uh, Durman, the Normandy invasion, 30 paratroopers landed in the town of St. Mary Glee's, including 20 in the church square. And so they got in a fight right there. There was a dude that got caught up on the steeple of the church, and they just shot him there. And there's still, if you get over to, to St. Mary Glees, they have a, they have, they've redone their stained glass windows with an American paratrooper. And I just think that's really, really cool that uh, they remember like that. But I need to tell you a quick backdrop on Ben Milligan. So he, he was a, a Navy SEAL, went through, um, um, Went through the 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 new buds course. One of the first guys. I have the the list of the the entire uh, the uh, the guys that were officially neutral was uh, Sweden, Switzerland, Spain, Portugal, Ireland, Turkey, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, and Afghanistan. Yeah, they were the uh, the and then other little little guys. Vatican City stayed neutral. I should I should hope so. Even though we jumped into Mariglis, I think on a Catholic church. But uh, so Ben Milligan wrote a book called. By Water Beneath the Walls, and it's a history. I'm going to read a little bit of it. It says, A gripping history chronicling the fits and starts of American special operations and the ultimate rise of the Navy SEALs, from the unarmed frogman to elite go-anywhere commandos, as told by one of their own. Admiral McRaven's quote for his book says, Deeply researched, well-organized, and incredibly engaging. This is our legacy, 
with all the warts, the challenges, and the heroics in one concise volume. So McRaven said that. Pretty cool. How did the U.S. Navy, the branch of the U.S. military tasked with patrolling the oceans, ever manage to produce a unit of raiders trained to operate on land? And how, against all odds, did that unit become one of the world's most elite commando forces, routinely striking thousands of miles from the water on the battlefields of Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, and Central Africa? Told through the eyes of, remar of remarkable leaders and racing from one long shot, hair-curling raid to the next, by water beneath the walls is the tale of the unit's heroic naval predecessors and the evolution of the SEALs themselves. But it's also the story of forging the American special operations as a whole and how the SEALs emerged from the fires as America's first permanent commando force when again and again some other unit seemed predestined to seize that hole. World War II, the Korean War, and elsewhere, even as he plunges into the second front of inner service rivalries and personal ambition that shaped the SEALs' evolution. In equally vivid, masterful, de masterful detail, he chronicles key early missions undertaken by units like the Marine Raiders, Army Rangers, and Green Berets, showing us how these faith faithful, bloody moments helped create the modern American can com the modern American commando, even as they opened up pivotal opportunities for the Navy. Finally, he takes us alongside the SEALs as they last seize the mantle of commando raiding and discover the missions of capture, kill, sorry, kill, capture, if you will, and counterterrorism that would define them for a decade. So that's his book, and I think it's important because I know Milligan really well, and he's always been a historian like that. And uh, he, like, you know, he was enlisted at first, and then he, he, I think he already had a degree, and then he became an officer. And I think he's in the FBI, which means this book is legit, and it got vetted, just like my book, The Operator, got vetted, just saying. Um, and he's very cool with the way he said... Uh, he, in the book, he said he's talking about the history of the SEAL teams, how we got to where we are, different fights from way back in the day, from uh, the Naval, Com Naval Combat Demolition Units to, to the, like you said, the Marine Raiders and things like that. He goes through it, and there's even a part that he says uh, he's a funny guy. He said, and if you, he's, not gonna, he's not talking about the recent events. If you need that, just go to a bookstore. I'm sure there's a couple of them in there written by SEALs, which I thought was hilarious. But uh, one of the things that Ben and I did, so I went with him. Uh, to Normandy, and uh, I, I've also got a picture I'm going to post of him and me on a trampoline playing that game, Crack the Egg. If you haven't played that, get a helmet and play it. It's pretty fun. But we went up there, uh, a very solemn place to be on the Long Beach to see where the sandbars were, where the first wave came in. It was completely in, um, ineffective. Uh, the second wave was larger, completely ineffective, uh, where places where unknown lieutenants were saying, are you going to sit there and die or get up and do something about it? Just to be there to see that, to see the cliffs, Point du Hoc, where when rangers got on, they climbed the cliffs, to see what those men went through climbing up those cliffs, knowing there's bad guys in front of them shooting down, to be a part of that, just to see a part of it, to understand the greatest generation, younger than I was at the time, but they were fighting for freedom. They were fighting because the world needed them. The Allies showed up. The Americans showed up. And that's what we do. The world is a stronger place when America is. The world's a safer place when America's strong. But um, we were staying there. We saw the. there's an, an American cemetery there. There's, there are, are certain. You've got um, crosses. You've got stars of David. It's just American. And it's an American cem cemetery. And some of them even say, 
Here lies the remains of a soldier known but to God. And you know what that means. So we were kind of emotionally drained when we headed back to our hotel, and we were staying right there, uh, right, right near Normandy in a hotel. And we get into an elevator, and we're talking to each other, and a woman got into the elevator and looked at us as we were talking, and she said um, she had to be in her 80s, she said to, I'm from Belgium, and to this day, there's nothing more beautiful to my ears than the sound of American English. So keep your head down, keep moving forward. You're never out of the fight. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.